Amen. Well, you can go ahead and have a seat. Hope you guys are good. Um, God's good. So we know that this morning, and that's encouraging. So glad you braved the weather this morning to be here, and um, looking forward to getting into God's Word with you. So uh, we are continuing this series called On the Move, kind of looking at Paul as he's journeying around, um, getting pretty close to the end of the book of Acts, which we've been going through for a while now. Today, we're going to be in Acts 19 is where we're going to start. want to grab a thought out of Acts 19 and then kind of look at some other scriptures um, and, and look through uh, just something that's really important, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit um, who we need uh, desperately in our lives. And so Acts chapter 19, we're going to begin reading uh, there in verse 1 about uh, Paul as he is Moving around again, we're, we're looking at this where Paul's on the move. He's going from place to place. Um, and God is still using him in incredible ways. Um, and, and when we look at this, understand as we're getting close to the end, Paul is beginning to realize that he doesn't have that much longer. And so he's beginning to set people in position to uh, take over leadership um, in these churches. He's really establishing these things. But we also will see in here that the Holy Spirit is um, not an option for us if we're going to be and do the things that God's called us to be and do. And so Acts 19 verse one is where we're gonna start here. Um, and it says this, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, we talked about him last week. And so go back and listen to that if you, if you, if you missed it. But we talked about Apollos being in Corinth. It says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now jump way, way, way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we've looked at this verse, or these couple of verses quite a bit, but I want to refer back to them. In Genesis 1, 27, at the very beginning of creation, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, when you go to chapter two, if you go and you read through Genesis chapter two, what you're gonna see is man and God in this relationship. They, they talk together, they're there together. God's presence is with him. And so we see this relationship, this connectedness that exists there. When you get to Genesis chapter three though, look at verse 10. God comes, he finds Adam, he calls out to Adam. This is after sin has happened. They have chosen to live independently of God. Um, they sinned, they turned towards things he told them not to. 
And listen, he, he comes into the garden. He says, where are you? God's not asking because he doesn't know. He, he realizes what's happened. Um, and in verse 10, Adam says this, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And so we see this drastic change from chapter two to chapter three, where there was this incredible relationship between God and man. Now man who was in fellowship with God because of sin feels shameful. Um, he is afraid of God because he realizes uh, that he's not in this relationship anymore. He realizes he's um, rebelled. He realizes he is not in God's uh I guess, in, in, in this relationship of being perfectly connected. And so he's afraid. And so when we look at this, I want you to see just that drastic change from two to three because of sin. I want you to remember in Genesis 1 that God gave us a very clear purpose in what we were created for. Um, and then also, as we read in 19, there were these people who, when it says that they were disciples, meaning disciples of John, they had heard of this baptism of repentance. And Paul comes, he completes the gospel picture. He says, no, listen, he was just telling you about the one who was to come, Jesus. And when he's, they're baptized into Jesus's name, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for um, life, for your presence. God, would you empower your word this morning God, that it would sink deep into our hearts. We know your word's living and active. Father, I pray we would receive it as such, that it would be convicting and challenging, encouraging, comforting, empowering, Lord. God, I pray that we'd be able to focus our attention on you, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, to see you, to be able to hear what you are saying today through your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So how many of you, when you think about the Holy Spirit, or maybe in the past you've thought about the Holy Spirit, and, it, and, and the Holy Spirit just seems kind of very mysterious. Anybody, the Spirit sometimes seems mysterious. It's okay if so, like that make you unspiritual. It, it's, it's kind of a reality. We can kind of look at the Father and say, okay, I kind of, can get that. We can think about the Son. Okay, I kind of get that. But then when we think about the Holy Ghost, kind of freaks us out a little bit, right? Like, what is that? You know? And, and in, in fact, it's not a that or an it, it's a he. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son and the Father. And so we need to understand that. And if you really are wondering, like, who is the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit like? What's he about? Then you can look to Jesus because the Bible teaches us this, that when we look at Jesus, we see a perfect picture of the Father. But the Bible also tells us that when Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, he says, I will send another. And when he says another, he means one that is exactly like me, but is not me. So if you wanna know the character, nature, and attributes of the Holy Spirit, look at Jesus. Jesus was here in physical body. Now, Jesus, the same person that's not the same person, one just like him that's not him, is with us. And for those who are followers of Christ, who put their belief, their trust, their faith in Jesus, he not only lives with us, but he lives in us. 
And so I want you to understand that about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can sometimes be a little mysterious. It can be um, a little spooky, uh, spiritual sometimes and how he's talked about, but the Spirit is Jesus with us now. It's really important for us to understand this because without the Holy Spirit, we as individuals, but us as the church are left ineffective. We're left inefficient. We can do everything we want to do in our own ability, but apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing of eternal value. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing to glorify God. It is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us that glorifies God. And yet how many times has the church, how many times have we lived as though we just sort of put the Holy Spirit in the corner, we just call him out when we need him, and we just kind of go through life and go through the motions. But I want you to see some things, and I'm gonna run through these really quick. So if you are taking notes, you know, some of these you're gonna to have to write kind of fast, but it's, I want you to understand this, that without the Holy Spirit, there's so many things that would be missing, and here's a few of those things. This is not an exhaustive list, but without the Holy Spirit, one, there is no conversions, meaning no salvation meaning nobody comes to know the Lord. When we look at this, we can look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3, just as one example, that no one can say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. So when someone comes to faith, it is because the Holy Spirit has opened their eyes, their spiritual eyes, to see who Jesus is, what he's done, and our need for him as a savior. So there's no conversion apart from the Spirit. When we had started the church and we weren't too far into it, um, had a, a lady come to me one time after a service and she's like, the Spirit's not moving here. The Spirit's just not moving here. But that day we had had like two or three people who gave their life to Christ, who came to faith in Jesus. And she's like, nobody's you know, doing this, nobody's doing that. And she starts naming all of these different manifestations of the Spirit. And she said, the Spirit's just not moving here. And I said, well, then I guess those people really didn't get saved. I guess those conversions were false or fake because the Bible is very clear that we cannot say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. And so if we aren't leaning into, if we're not dependent upon the Holy Spirit, then we need to understand there's no power in the message. We can preach it as well as we wanna preach it, but it's the Holy Spirit who gives it the power. It's the Holy Spirit that opens eyes. It's the Holy Spirit that causes the word to be God-breathed, God-spirited. When we look at the Holy Spirit, we need to understand too that there's no transformation apart from the Holy Spirit. A lot of times in the church, we try to lean into our own ability to make ourselves better, but it doesn't work that way. Even in Romans 12 too, when Paul tells us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How is our mind renewed? It's renewed through the word of God, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us this, that all scriptures, God breathed. The word for breathe is the same word for spirit, is God spirited. It's powerful to renew our minds when we 
read the Bible and we spend time with God in it, not just going through it just to check it off, but when we're sitting in God's presence and we're seeking God through it, then our minds begin to be renewed and we can actually begin to think differently and strongholds or these inaccurate ways of thinking begin to be torn down because God's word is living and active and powerful. And it's one of the weapons God has given us to demolish strongholds in our lives. And so transformation comes because the spirit of God empowers the word of God to transform our minds. If, if, listen, apart from the Holy Spirit, the Christian life just becomes a source of frustration and disillusionment because we cannot transform ourselves. Another thing is we have no assurance of salvation. The Bible tells us, you can go to scriptures like uh, 2 Corinthians 1.22, the Bible tells us several places in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of what's to come. He is the seal of our salvation. How do we know we are saved? Because the Spirit of God lives in me. How do I know that I am saved? Because the Spirit of God has turned my heart to God, where I used to live my life going away from God. Now, I'm not perfect in it, but my heart is bent towards pleasing God. So the Spirit is the guarantee, the seal, the seal of salvation for me. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there's no unity in the church. You look at uh, Ephesians 4. Talks about the Spirit. We were one, one in spirit, one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we're baptized by or in one spirit. We are one because the same Spirit lives in us. When you look at... Um, Without the Spirit, of course, there's no presence of God. When Jesus tells us he's gonna send another, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. If God the Father is in heaven and Jesus, as the Bible said, is seated at his right hand, then who is with us now? The presence of God with us is through the Spirit. So to neglect the Spirit is to neglect God's presence here. No wonder Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit because we can't do anything without him of eternal value. Another one, there can be no true worship without the Spirit. One, Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter four, he said, there's coming a day and it's now come that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Paul in Galatians 4, 6 tells us that it's the Holy Spirit as because we're children of God, God has given us his spirit and the spirit inside of us causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Why don't we worship because the spirit of God has worked in our heart and is working in our heart to cause us to worship. In our human nature, we don't naturally desire to worship God. In our human nature, we naturally desire to worship ourselves. The last one is this, that without the Holy Spirit, there's no ability for us to do and fulfill our purpose. We talk about this, that our purpose is found like in scriptures like Habakkuk 2.14 that God promises this, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And we see that. And we, we've got this vision, this mission that God's given us that we're gonna be about that, that purpose until every person knows. But understand, we cannot do this apart from 
the Holy Spirit. When you look at Acts 19, Paul encounters these people and, and they, they've gone through John's baptism. They've, they've repented of sin. They've gone through this. He says, but have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say this, they say, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now in the church today, I believe most churches we could say, we've at least heard there is a Holy Spirit. The problem for us is that we often live as though there isn't. We live as though he's not present or we begin to major so much on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit really becomes about me and it becomes about um, kind of what I need or what I want and we begin to major so much on the Spirit of God that we forget Jesus. And it just throws the thing all out of balance. People begin to take this and it becomes something about our flesh. We actually pervert the spirit um, and, and who the spirit should be in our lives by making him about us instead of us being about him. And so when we look at this, if we don't have the spirit, if we live as though there is no spirit, then the problem becomes this, that I have no ability for my purpose. We looked at Genesis 1, 27 and 28, and we have looked at that a lot over the last couple of years, that our purpose is to fill the earth the glory of God. Today, now, it is to still fill the earth. That purpose given in Genesis 1, 27 and 28 has not changed. But here's the problem, and let me see if I can get this right. I, I, I'm a little nervous. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I get nervous doing the illustrations like this now. I told John, this is, this is honest truth, honest truth right here. While I get this, I'll tell you. This is honest truth this morning. I told John, I said, please, this thing's been sitting under my shelter for about three years. I said, please hook those jumper cables up, touch them together and make sure there is no spark. I don't need anything to blow up. I don't need anything to happen. Let's just try to make sure this thing is as simple as it can be. But what I want you to see is this, and, and I hope this is not um, overly simple. To me, it, it helps me. And so how many of you have ever been jumping off a battery and you crossed them? Anybody? I bet you only did it once, didn't you? Yeah. And so if you did it twice, then shame on you. Um, but when you look at this, I mean, we see how important the Holy Spirit is. How many of you, though, look, how many of you want to see conversions? How many of you want to see transformation? How many of you want to have this assurance of salvation? How many of you want to see unity in the church? How many of you want more of the presence of God? How many of you want true worship? How many of you want to be able to fulfill your ability? Most of us in here today would say, I want to sign up for that, right? Yeah. So when we come to this, I want you to see how this happened, how it happened and how it happens. This is a little four-wheeler battery. They're so aggravating. You would think in today's world we could make a battery that's easier to work with than this, right? So just for illustration's sake, let's hook this thing together or throw it. All right. So here's what I want you to see. In Genesis 1, Genesis 2, we read about this, we see this, that there is this relationship that happens and it is perfectly connected, things are working. Guess what? Man, the little battery, is connected to God, the big battery. See how I did that? 
Genius. Awesome. Awesome. My intelligence knows no bounds. So, little battery me, you, big battery God. Now, somebody's out there going, well, God's a lot bigger than that, right? And I know that. Like, this is not to scale, okay? What I want you to see, though, is that in the beginning, there was this perfect connection. There was this source of life. We were connected to this source of life, this source of power to do what we were created to do, to look like what we were created to look like, to be what we were created to be, to really fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, to take this world that was dark and void and all, and then God begins to speak life and he begins to speak light and it begins to be transformed. And then he says, I've created these people in my image and they're gonna fill the earth with the knowledge of my glory. And there's this perfect connection. And right here, we've got this ability to do this. And then God says, hey, don't eat that. And they ate that. And you know what happened? That. I gotta put these things back on there in just a minute. But, but I want you to see this. Then when sin happened, that connection was broken. The connection was broken. The source of life, we walked away from it. The ability to fulfill our purpose, we lost it. Even the ability to have right relationship with each other, it was gone. Why? Listen, listen, this is really important because we chose to live independently of God. Humankind chose to live independently of God. We don't need God. We can do this on our own is basically what happened in the garden. And so this connection was broken and there's this huge gap now that exists between us and God. This gap that we can never bridge. We can never cause to reconnect. We broke it, we can't reestablish it. And here's the incredible thing. If you go and you read the Bible from front to back and you get to Genesis three and you see where sin happens and you see this relationship broken, what you're gonna read from Genesis all the way to Revelation is God's plan of reconciliation to restore this connection that was broken because of sin. All these books, all these words, all these authors telling one message from Genesis 3 to the end of Revelation that God loves the world so much that God's purpose is so important that he is going to go through all of this to reestablish this. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty awesome. And so here's what we know, that the gospel story begins in Genesis, it ends in Revelation, but the climax of it, kind of the, this peak moment is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And now we know this, that those who come to faith in Christ are made righteous in him. And so what do we talk about righteousness is? Righteousness is to be as I ought to be. And I ought to be in the image of Christ. That's how I was created. I ought to be connected with God. That's how I was created. 
But because I chose to live as I ought not to be, the connection was broken. But now the Bible tells us that because of faith in Jesus, I have been made once again as I ought to be. Am I perfect right now? No. But does God see me perfect in Christ? Yes. Because he who had no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. So we could once again be as we ought to be. And here's the incredible thing, that by faith, God grants us this righteousness, but he says, listen, it's not just gonna be that I give you righteousness, now I'm gonna put my spirit in you and I'm actually gonna begin to create you to become as you ought to be. You're actually not gonna just have this righteousness I've given you, but you're gonna start being conformed. You're gonna be transformed into the image of Christ. You're gonna grow in this, but it does not happen apart from the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus comes and he gives us this life, now I gotta do this again, aggravating thing. And he establishes this connection and we are reconnected with God. We have bridged the gap that existed because of sin, and now God's power is flowing into us. God's life is flowing into us. God's presence is with us, in us, and we now are being made as we ought to be. We have been granted righteousness as we ought to be, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of life flows from the Father because of the connection we have in Christ. He said, I will send him back. He did what he promised he would do so that we could have life and power so that we could see conversion, so we could see transformation, so we could have confidence in our salvation, so the church could be unified, so we can know the presence of God, so we could truly worship God out of our hearts, so that we could have the ability to fulfill what we were ultimately created to fulfill in the very beginning. I'm gonna take my stuff and leave now. that makes sense? Yeah. It's kind of exciting, really. I'm just making sure. So here's the cool thing, guys, that this has been reestablished. Man, is it not awesome to think about the fact that we can once again do what we were created to do? Is it not kind of crazy and mind-boggling that this goes all the way back to Genesis? Is that not wild? And yet now, because of Christ, we can do this. Here's the problem, though, guys. We don't live as though the Holy Spirit actually does these things. We still live like we think it's up to me. And listen, you are not saved. This is so important. You are not saved to live independently of God. You were saved so you could once again live dependently upon God. You weren't saved, you weren't recreated to live on your own. You were created to live dependent upon him. Here's what happens a lot of times, is Christians will have this connection. We've come to faith. I, uh, 
brought this to you. This is, I'm not going to stand it up or do much with it, but I just wanted to have it just to show you. This is a pollen-covered battery charger. It's been under my shop, so everything is yellow um, under there. And so when we come to life, how many times do you hear people say this? Um, Christians, well-meaning. Not, I'm not trying to slam them in this. I, I get what they're saying, but I want you to see this. How many times do we kind of get run down? We get kind of just dry and we and we just make this, we say this phrase, I just need to have my batteries recharged. People hear people say that, man, I just need to have my batteries recharged. Hear people say that. And so this is what happens a lot of times in the Christian life. We have moments where we come and we connect. We have these moments, this connection is there. We have these moments where we turn our attention and our affection to God. We may go to church on Sunday. We may have a Bible study. We may take a nap, praise God, right? We, we may go on vacation. We do different things to recharge our batteries. We, we can have our quiet time in the morning. We can, um, we, we can have a prayer time. We can, we can do all of these different things. But understand, I want you to see this. These are things that happen in a moment, right? moment. I've got Sunday. I've got connect group. I took a nap. I rested like God told me to. I did this. I did that. And there's these moments of really turning my heart and my attention to God. But if you added up all of those moments and you compare those moments to the number of hours in a week, do you know how small that is? And it's much more like being connected to a battery charger for a moment, for a while, recharging somewhat, recharging all that you want to recharge. But the moment you disconnect, you begin to drain. The incredible thing about God and his spirit is no matter where I am, no matter what I'm a, a part of my life I'm in, no matter what my age, no matter what my vocation, no matter what is going on that day, the incredible thing about my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with the Holy Spirit is I never have to disconnect. And listen, as a Christian, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. What I'm talking about is having a connection, but living as though you don't, right? living as though you don't. And so how many of you would like to have more of the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody? How many of you would like to have more courage? How many of you like to have more boldness? How many of you like to have more of the power of God walking in your life or working in your life? I think if you're a believer, you, you would want that, right? Yeah. I want that for me. I want that for the kingdom. There was a kid that used to go to Georgia Southern baseball camps when I was playing there. Coach Stallings told us this story about this kid that would come to baseball camp every year. And he started coming. They could start coming when they were real little. And so he'd been coming for a few years. I guess this kid probably at this time was probably 10 or 11 years old. And for three or four years, I guess, or so, he'd been coming to the baseball camps. And every year he would go to Coach Stallings and he would say, Coach Stallings, I, I really, I wanna play at Georgia Southern. I'd do anything to play at Georgia Southern. And Coach Stallings would be like, eh, whatever. 
Kid comes back year after year, year after year after year. Coach Tallins, I'd do anything to play at Georgia Southern. So finally one year, I guess Coach Tallins had enough of it. Sometimes it didn't take him that long to have enough of it. But he, he calls this kid over and the kid's like, I'd do anything. And he's like, well, come here, come here. He says, I want you to get up every morning and I want you to go hit in the batting cage before school. And I want you to throw every morning before school. And I want you to run, lift. I want you to do all of these things before school. And then after school, you need to go back to the batting cage and you need to hit, you need to throw, you need to take ground balls, you need to take fly balls. You need to do these things. If you really wanna play at Georgia Southern, you need to do these things. And the kids said, well, I really don't wanna do all that. And Coach Stallings literally tells this 10, 11 year old, he's like, then shut up. <laughs> Gotta had to know him. But it's kind of like that with us, right? I want this, yes, I want it, I want it, I want it. I don't wanna do all that. Then shut up, right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Then hush. But I, I want to try to free you from some things today. I, I, I want you to see how simple this is. We make this power so difficult sometimes. We make it almost where we feel like it's almost like this thing that's so far out there, the power of the spirit that, man, I, I can't really grasp it. I can't fathom and I, and I want you to see it's not as difficult as you think. What does God ask of us? What does God, if we pull it down to the most simple nugget, what does God ask of us? You know what it really boils down to? You know what God really asks you for? God really asks you for your attention. It's that simple. God asks you for your attention. Is it not kind of incredible that the God of the universe asks us for our attention? And we see this all throughout scripture. Paul says this all the time. Set your minds on things above. Think about those things that are worthy. Give me your attention. But how much of our day is spent with our attention on other things? And, and listen, you can't sit in a closet all day and just think about God. But guess what? You can think about God all throughout your day. You can set your heart on God. Now, certainly, listen, we need those moments, right? We need times in the word. We need times of prayer. We need times of corporate worship. We need all of those things, but you know what we really need to do? We really just need to set our heart and our mind on God. It is really that. Listen to this. I want to read one scripture and I'm going to wrap this up. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse five. He says, those who live according to the flesh 
have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh set their mind on the flesh. Those who are in the spirit set their minds on what the spirit desires. God wants our attention. Our heart, our mind set upon God. Our mind, our heart set upon God. You know what you're going to have to do throughout the day? You're going to have to reset. You know, I have to do what I have to do a better job of in my life throughout the day. I have to reset. I have to reset my mind. I have to reset my heart. I don't know how many of you have the Bible app on your phone, but every morning, one of the first things I do is I just check it to see what the scripture of the day is. I checked it this morning. It was um, pray unceasingly, I think is what it was. What does Paul mean by that? He doesn't mean stay in a closet praying all the time. That make us ineffective too. What does he mean? Set your mind, set your heart on God. Be in constant communication with God and let the power of the Holy Spirit flow through you. It's amazing to me that the God of the universe says, my grace is so powerful. Not only will it save you, but my grace is so powerful that if you'll give me your attention, my grace will do for you, in you, and through you what you cannot do for yourself. Just give me your attention. It means I don't set my mind on my desires. It means I don't set my mind on my things. I set them on God and godly things. I set them on his desires. And God's grace will work through you, in you, and for you in ways that you cannot do on your own. We were not created to live independent of God. We were created to live dependent. We were not recreated in Christ to live independent of God. We were created to live dependent upon him. That is what God's calling us to. Do not overcomplicate this. Give God your heart. Give God your attention. Set your mind, set your heart upon him and let his grace work in you. I'm telling you, it's not gonna be where you walk out of here and you walk out and you go, okay, God, I set my mind, my heart on you and bam, you look like Jesus. But this, I, I will bet anything on this. I would say I bet everything in my bank account, but there ain't much there. It wouldn't be much of a bet. But I will bet you, I'll bet you Tim's bank account. <laughs> I'm trying to find somebody with some money. Dang, we broke people, aren't we? They ain't got nobody in here with no money. I'll bet you anything that if you live this way, you will begin to notice over a period of time that your life's changing. 
that your desires are changing. It gives me goosebumps to think about because I know this is true. I just know it is. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you do for us, in us, and through us what we cannot do through the power of your spirit, through the power of your grace. Thank you that he is the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of life, that you have made a way for us to reconnect, to fulfill the purposes for which we were created, oh God. We thank you, Lord, would you, by your grace, give us the ability to set our attention, to set our hearts upon you, our minds upon you, Lord, not our desires, not, oh God, your desires and your ways are so much higher that we could set our spiritual eyes, give our spiritual ears to hear what you have to say, Lord, would you move in us in a mighty, mighty, mighty way, God. We love you and we thank you for your presence that we don't have to disconnect. We will never be disconnected from you. And Lord, that we can live in the power of your presence and the power of your spirit. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.